Welcome into another edition of Night Shift. We are on episode 28, which is pretty amazing. Kyle Gamar and Mike Stubbs, your host, as always, covering the Ontario Hockey League and, of course, the London Knights. And you can follow along with the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, but globalnews.ca as well. Uh, Mega Horn, if you want to go listen to previous episodes. Uh, Mike, a lot coming up on the show today. Uh, the Top Prospects game took place. A lot of big-name players were taking part. Two London Knights were involved. We're going to talk about them and we got previews Peterborough on the road, Ottawa on the road, Kingston on the road. That all starts Thursday night in Peterborough. Uh, Mike, how you doing? One and two, were you up watching the top prospects game? You know what? I made it through the first two periods. I may have recorded the third period and watched it after that. So the third period had some goals in it. Team White ended up beating Team Red 4-2, to two, and we can break down the three London connections to it. We've got Oliver Bonk on Team White, Denver Barkey on Team Red, and then Charlie Robertson, who has been playing with the North Bay Battalion, former London Junior Knight, also on Team Red. And so this, this is the stage. I love this. Everybody says, what about an all-star game for the OHL? This is it. You don't want an all-star game. We don't need any more all-star games. Look what the NFL is doing. Flag football and dodgeball, that's what it's degenerated to. So we don't need that. We need games where guys are going hard, and all you had to do was watch a shift of Kalen Lind of the Red Deer Rebels to see just how hard people were playing. That guy plays hard. Red Deer's a good team out west this year. I don't know if we'll see them in the Memorial Cup. They've got a long road to go through. They've got to get through Seattle. They've got to get through Winnipeg, but they're definitely in the mix out west, and he's a guy that is turning heads for sure. And then you take a look at how the London connections did oliver bonk was steady 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 in his own zone kylie was a plus one denver bark he was added to the game late because of an injury but played a lot of penalty kill was good on the penalty kill had two shots he was an even in a 4-2 loss and he won three of four face-offs that he took and then charlie robertson played the second half of the game for team red made 11 saves looked strong And the weirdest part, maybe for everybody who casually watches junior hockey, yes, Connor Bedard played, but no, Connor Bedard did not break any records. The record for most points in this game is four by a single player. Connor Bedard was held off the score sheet, had a few hits, but was held off the score sheet. But I don't think that's going to affect his draft status too much. No, I think uh, I think number one's a pretty good lock for Connor Bedard, especially what he did at the World Junior Hockey Championships and for what he's currently doing uh, over in uh, Regina with St. Pat's right now. He has 81 points in, uh, let me just look at this properly, 33 games. So no, he's, he's pretty <laughs> set at number one. Yeah, he is averaging better than a goal per game. And yet Regina is not in that group with Winnipeg, with Red Deer, with Seattle, with Portland, and even with the host Kamloops Blazers for the Memorial Cup. They don't get talked about. They're not expected to get there. Regina, they hung on to Connor Bedard. They did not move him for other players at the deadline. And so there, there's, you know, there are some things that go into that. There's prospect money that is awarded and you want your guy and in, in your sweater in all of the pre-draft stuff. So I can understand that. And the Regina Pats and Connor Bedard will try and play upset once the playoffs begin in the Western Hockey League. But how about the Ontario Hockey League, Kyle? Think about it this way. There were six goals and nine assists 
in this game. And OHLers combined for four of the six goals and three assists. You had Carson Rakoff of Kitchener and Callum Ritchie of Oshawa, each with a goal and an assist. So the OHL showed themselves very well. Oliver Bonk even did a little end of second period interview and talked a little bit about his play, favorite player being Roman Yossi instead of his dad. He said, yeah, you know, my dad has been out of the game for a little bit and Roman Yossi is a defender. So he had a little fun with that, but he and Denver Barkey and Charlie Robertson certainly look good. Yeah. You know, did they, did they ever, and it's always funny. Sometimes we almost have to like reaffirm uh, how good the Ontario hockey league is and how well they produce. I know, you know, the big fad right now, I think in my opinion is, you know, the NCAA and all the players coming out of there. When you hear players who win Hobie Baker awards and then get immediately thrown into the NHL and they are impactful players right away. And obviously Kale McCarr is the guy that sticks out, but you know, the, the OHL has been a tried and true. It's, it's a younger form of, of a league, but you know, it still produces some of the top players currently playing uh, that are making their way on who will eventually be NHLers. And it's uh, it was nice to see the OHL really, come out and showcase their talent uh, last night well the canadian hockey league is called the best developmental league in the world for a reason because you look at the numbers they produce more nhlers than any of the other leagues and one of the reasons for that is pretty simple they mirror an nhl schedule in fact in a way it's even a little bit more grueling than an nhl schedule because you can play those three games in three days as the london knights are about to do and that competition is is just kind of a, a level below what you'll get into in the American Hockey League, which is a level below what you get into in the National Hockey League. And there's just this nice progression that you go through. And there are moments like this, this top prospects game, which says, okay, all of you guys, let's pretend it's a game seven. Let's pre pretend it's a, a deciding game. You're looking to keep your team alive. Whatever it is, in the big moments, how do you look? Can you keep up with your peers? And that's what the top prospects game does. Look at Oliver Bonk. He was in the starting lineup last night. There's a lot of nerves for these guys because they know that this is important. But let's also realize scouts are incredibly smart individuals. They're not going to say, oh, yeah, I, uh, I'm going to start scouting. I'm going to hit the top prospects game and then yeah, I'll take a few weeks off, maybe a few months off until the NHL entry draft. This is not the first viewing they have had of any of these players. And so one night does not make everything, but it does give them a gauge of, okay, here's a big time game for guys who are 17. You may not have seen them in a big time game, or if they've been in a game seven, they were there as a 16 year old. So let's see how they perform. And how they deal with nerves, because that's part of the stage that the National Hockey League is. And so it's a great thing. And we've seen so many excellent performances over the years. And last night, solid performances all around. 4-2 game. If you had an all-star game, they used to have all-star games in the OHL. And I think the average score was usually something like 12-10. to 10. So watching a 4-2 game was definitely more exciting. Well, and, and it, it's players who are trying to, who are playing for something. It's not just an all-star game representing your team and just going for the fun of it. There's, there's at stake for some guys. You mentioned, you know, Denver Barkey, who wasn't originally on any of the rosters was a late ad due to injury. So all of a sudden he gets thrown into a situation where he potentially has a chance to 
he potentially has a chance to go and showcase and maybe move up in the draft. And, you know, it's a great opportunity for him. So I, I loved it. And yeah, you know, it's a four, two competitive game. Even guys like Connor Bedard cannot be on the score sheet, which is, you know, it does happen every now and then Kobe Barlow had a goal in that game as well. But, uh, but you know, it's nice to see a couple London Knights and London native represented at the top prospects game and uh, looking forward to seeing what they do coming back to their teams because the, well, the Knights, they get going on tonight, technically as we were recording this against the Peterborough Peets on the road. They then go into Ottawa to take on the 67s and then a, a game against the Frontenacs in Kingston. And speaking of the Peets, Mike, you know, they were a team that, you know, they they made a, a couple big ads at the trade deadline. You know, they, they decided that they're going to move in and it hasn't really gone their way so far. It hasn't yet, and we're going to talk with Pete Dalladay, the TV voice of the Peets, in just a moment about that. They're two and four since the deadline, but I think when you break down, and we're going to notice this as we talk about Peterborough and Ottawa who have added, and the Kingston Frontenacs who subtracted, and you're going to look at the team that actually has the best record since the trade deadline out of those three, is the team that traded away Shane Wright. The Kingston Frontenacs are 4-3 and three since the trade deadline. The 67s have been dealing with some injuries, and we'll dig into that. A couple of their guys could be back for this weekend, which makes life tougher for the London Knights, who are making their way through this Peterborough-Ottawa-Kingston trip. But the Peets are 2-4, and four, and so it takes a little while, and we'll talk with Pete Dalladay about that. The one impact that the Knights are probably facing North Bay is experiencing this as well. Other players who played last night in the top prospects game here, for instance, there's no direct flight from Langley, BC to Peterborough, Ontario. You just, you can't find that. And it would mean four games and four nights. So I don't expect, I don't know for sure. You never know, but I wouldn't expect Denver Barkey and Oliver Bonk to play tonight for the London Knights. They may rejoin the Knights against the 67s. And against the Frontenacs. As for the Peets, we asked Pete Dalladay simply for his thoughts on the team since the trade deadline. Uh, they really struggled last week. I think they had four games, kind of a rare week where they had a Monday night makeup game. Um, and, you know, they only got one win, and that, that was against their arch rivals, uh, Oshawa. So uh, still a long ways to go. I think they're both uh, London and the Peets are six and four. In, in their last 10 and they're better they're better than that both those teams so i think it's just going to take a while to get some chemistry going they haven't really had a normal week uh, since uh, othman and beck came back from the world juniors and hayes and white came over i think this is maybe their first week where they've had sort of like a normal practice monday tuesday thursday home game thursday so we'll see if some chemistry uh shows up uh, at, at the game tonight you've seen this happen so many times in junior hockey Bringing players in means changing roles. Do you think there's some of that going on where guys are just readjusting to the things that they now need to do? 100%. Yeah. Uh, you have a, a young uh, kid. Well, I guess they're all young kids now. But uh, you got you got a kid like uh, Chase Dillman who goes from, you know, on paper, the, the first line to now like a third line, which is kind of a shutdown line, a checking line. Uh, and they can score. I mean, his line can score, but you know what I'm saying? All of a sudden, he's in a different role, and where I've really noticed it the most is there's just not enough power play time for really six, seven top-end forwards. It's it's really been uh, struggling, and I just I think you're right. People don't know what their role quite is yet, and uh, they almost have too much depth at this point, but I'm sure come playoff time, you can, you can have, never have enough depth. 
TV voice of the Peterborough Pete's Pete Dalladay joining us. Pete, one last thing, and that is Londoner Michael Simpson in goal and the year he's had. Can you tell us about it? it yeah, it's been fun to watch. Uh, he, he's a great young man, as you probably know, and, and, you know, he deals with diabetes every single day. So on top of that, he's just had a real, you know, stellar year. I think he was even uh, in the conversation to, for a world uh, junior invite and just had a kind of a bad week uh, prior when, when the officials were down taking a close week at him. He just had an off week, which was too bad, but he's been that good. He, he's, you know, uh, you know, obviously playing against his hometown tonight. He's, he's going to be excited and, and ready to go. And uh, it, it should be a good one. If you happen to run into my cousin, Kate Johnson, by the way, as well, uh, tell him I said, hello. Hopefully uh, we see him soon. Always Pete. Thanks for this. Okay, Stubby, thanks. Have a good game. So the roles, Kyle, the roles, and what a great name to bring up. When you look at Riley Stillman, who was an NHL prospect, he was a second-round pick of the Sudbury Wolves. He was in a big trade last year that sent him to the Peterborough Peets. He's somebody who now is in a different role and drops all the way down to like the third line when you make ads. And this has happened in the Knights lineup. When Ryan Humphrey and Ryan Winterton come in, there are different things happening on the power play. Both of those guys are on the number one unit. Both of those guys are on lines that maybe other players had played on before. So it takes a little while to figure out who's doing what. And there's so much talk about this with the Boston Bruins right now. The Bruins who have not lost very often, I think as we record this, they're at what, five regulation losses and we're almost at the end of January. That's just unheard of. Those numbers are like the Detroit Red Wings of the mid-90s or the Montreal Canadiens of the late 70s. Crazy, crazy numbers in terms of how well they're doing. What do you bring into your room? Because roles will change. If you add a good player, that will happen. So can you do it and then have this eventually work itself out where your team becomes better for it. And I really believe for the Knights, the Peets, the 67s, yes, that's going to happen. It still takes a little bit of time. It does. And I, it's funny. I just heard an interview with uh, Zdeno Chara. And when he was talking, when he first went to Boston after the trade, you know, everyone was wasn't expecting what he was going to do in the gym. And then he did something like 33 or 34 consecutive pull ups and it got the entire Boston Bruins organization to perk up and go, oh, he's for real. And (laughs) by his third or fourth year, he wasn't even leading in that category anymore. Guys were doing almost 38, 39 pull ups because they were trying to match the level that Zdeno Chara brought. And once he saw that happen, then he was like, oh, now we're ready. And that's when the team was able to go compete. They ended up winning a Stanley Cup in, in 2010, I believe, over the Vancouver Canucks. 2011. 2011, sorry, yes, 2011 year where uh, the Canucks made it to the finals in Boston. Boston beat them, and then they ended up making the finals again in 2019 against St. Louis. But that's that's the team mentality, you know, for, for a Bruins team that's been so dominant every single night. They're consistent because they just elevate one another. You mentioned that Detroit Red Wings team, the members on that team, you could go through and what, there were there seven Hall of Famers on that team alone? Yeah. Something Wild. like that? Wild. So, I mean, that's what you worry about. You don't want to upset your room and it, you can't help, but, you know, change your room and it'll take a little while to figure that out. But then all of a sudden things 
sort of work themselves out. And next thing you know, these teams are flying again. And as for the 67s, they're also going through some injuries. We had a chance to talk with Kenny Walls, their radio play-by-play voice. And we talked about, first off, even before we got to the injuries, the fact that Ottawa at the deadline acquired the number two and number three scorers in the OHL without giving up a single player in return. It really was. And, and you think about the impact players that they are. And, and from the couple of weeks that I've been around them, just incredible young men as well. Uh, Logan Morrison on the quieter side, uh, but determined, wants to sign a pro contract, wants to sign an NHL deal after his over eight season has done. So you're getting a determined player, a quality young man, and clearly just a, a great talent. Pavel Michikov is, we've all seen his offensive side around the OHL. You've seen much more of it than I have uh, being in the Western Conference. But since coming to Ottawa, he's just been a defensive stalwart. He's been unbelievable defensively and at times paired with Jack Matier, which has led to what could and should be one of the best shutdown duos and defensive pairings uh, in the league. So it's been uh, to not give up a player for those two uh, was absolutely incredible. And I don't know how James Boyd was able to accomplish it. (laughs) Let's talk about the 67s right now, because every team would love to have their full roster and get themselves going in the perfect direction, going into the playoffs in a couple of months. But you're dealing with some injuries. What's the prognosis on some really key guys who haven't played? Yeah, we'll start out with, uh, well, at the top of the roster, number two, Derek Smythe. He uh, he contracted mono and uh, some fairly severe effects afterwards that have kept him out of the lineup for almost 30 games now. Uh, he could be skating towards the beginning of next month, maybe middle of the month, and uh, really get back into potentially playing. Uh, Tyler Boucher... He's had a rough goal uh, the last three or four years with injuries. Uh, at the World Juniors, suffered uh, an injury undisclosed up until this point. You hope it's not too long. Uh, I honestly haven't heard anything beyond uh, a week-to-week type of scenario for him. Uh, but for his sake, you hope that it's he's back and able to be on the ice where he hasn't spent a lot of time over the last three or four years or nearly as much as he would have hoped. Uh, Logan Morrison, just a minor lower body injury. I'm, I haven't heard anything leading up until this weekend, but my initial anticipation was that he was going to return for this weekend. And then the, the biggest one, one that got the most notoriety around the OHL, around the hockey world, was Vincent's roar when he collided and, and got hit by Thomas Budnick on what should have been a relatively routine play. Uh, they went rear end to rear end, and Vincent's roar went up uh, head over tail and landed on his shoulder, his neck, and uh, was convulsing on the ice, had to be stretchered off. The good news, he wanted to return to the rink uh, the next day or the day after that. He he has relatively or zero symptoms, uh, has been back on the ice. So all in all, I, as near to best case scenario as I think we could have hoped for. And uh, again, a potential that he plays this weekend. Hey, well, that is good news to hear because a lot of people saw that video and you're right. It uh, it was a scary video to watch. Well, Kenny, the Ottawa 67s have been dominant from the get-go and look like a scary team to be handled somewhere down the line by all kinds of teams in the postseason. We'll look forward to seeing what the Knights and the 67s bring on Friday night. Thanks for this. 
Can't wait, Mike. Thanks a lot. Knights and 67s with a rematch. Remember, they played a one nothing game. A one nothing game. They went 65 minutes, and Brett Brochu and his elementary schoolmate, Max Donoso, actually combined to make a total of 65 saves. And from there, these two teams go now again head-to-head, and we'll see whether we get that goaltending matchup again. We'll see which guys come back. Logan Morrison being back in the lineup would be big for sure. We mentioned it. Ottawa is 3-3 three and three since the deadline, and now the 67s and the Knights go head-to-head for the second time. What do you think? one nothing again? No doubt, Kyle, the way hockey works, this will be 8-6. And it has to be right. The gods at some point are going to, are going to tip the uh, scales in, in the more goals for favor, because yeah, you know, they've been some low scoring affairs. The one, nothing victory uh, against the 67s. Brett Brochu was huge in that contest, shutting them out at the time. You know, Ottawa was red hot as London rolled in and uh, picked up the victory, but they, we've talked about this before too. London surprisingly is a phenomenal road team. They are 14 and three on the road. We talked about the Bruins being so good and not losing in regulation. London Knights have only lost three in 17 games in their opponent's building. And that includes the auto 67s. That includes trips to Saginaw. We will see if that continues, but they've already had success so far in Ottawa. I'm wondering to see how that's going to go, but no, Mike, it wouldn't surprise me if this game ends up being an eight, seven, eight, six contest. No, definitely not. And then the Knights finally get to play the Kingston Frontenacs. This is the only team they haven't played this year. This is a team they have not played since the 2019-2020 season. It was Saturday, February 15th. London went into Kingston and beat the Frontenacs 7-5 the day after Valentine's Day. And just to give you an idea, Marcus Phillips scored the first goal of that game for the London Knights. Liam Foody scored his 22nd of the year in that game. Tonio Strangis had a goal. Luke Evangelista had a couple. And Ryan Merkley just traded this week from the San Jose Sharks to the Colorado Avalanche, picked up an assist against the Kingston Frontenacs. So those were the names of the players who were involved the last time the London Knights and the Kingston Frontenacs played a hockey game. And Shane Wright was in his very first season in the OHL. Unbelievable to think that the last time they played, Shane Wright was in his first year as an exceptional status 15-year-old, we want to mention as well. And now how much has changed? One, Wright's not even on the team anymore. He's on a completely other team. Uh, there's a whole lot more change. And like you mentioned, they're four and three since moving him, which is you know not too shabby. And we talked about it as well. It's one of those, you move out a big player and the rest of the team goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. We can, we can still play and they've gone out and they've come together and been solid so far. So that, that will be a big test. That is not a game to sleep on for London, especially at the end of a three game road trip where you're playing three games in less than three days. That'll be as important a game as ever. So, uh, you know, the Knights are going to have to bring it because Kingston is, is playing some tough hockey. They will keep up throughout the course of it. Let's get caught up on how Kingston has been doing. They had a three-game winning streak ended by Guelph on Sunday. No team was followed more closely than Kingston leading up to the trade of Shane Wright to Windsor. We asked their radio play-by-play voice, Jim Gilchrist, how things have been since then. 
Well, not too bad. It's a, it's a good, hardworking team. We haven't got that uh, big superstar on the team uh, anymore, I guess you could say. But uh, just four lines that uh, just work hard. I think uh, they play a lot like their, their coach, uh, Luca Caputi, did when he played in the OHL and then into the NHL. And I think it's just kind of drawn out that uh, a lot of kids are getting more ice time and doing a lot of things that they weren't before, you know, put on the power play, shorthanded efforts, and they're responding great to it. And uh, it's winning uh, lines for them. And I think it's just something that Luca was looking forward to, to see how the kids responded. If you want to stay on the team and really earn a spot on the specialty teams, then you're going to work for it. If not, well, then uh, you're not going to be on those teams. So it's been kind of a challenge to them, but they've responded well. When you look at who the leaders are, because the Frontenacs are looking, not necessarily at this year, but there's that Memorial Cup bid that we'll talk about in a minute. Who are those players that they'll be looking to to be the leaders, the big producers on the team at that time? Yeah, I think uh, right now they, they picked up Ethan Minima in that trade with uh, Windsor for Shane Wright, and you've seen him before, of course, with Windsor-London rivalry down there. So I think they're looking for big things from him. He's had a tough time kind of getting used to uh, the Kingston lineup, I guess, and the, that system that Luca has here because he's picked up an assist since we picked him up here uh, just after the trade deadline. But it was, it's been kind of a crazy schedule for him the day after that, uh, the trade deadline, and he reported to the France. We were up in Ottawa for a Wednesday night game after that deadline on the Tuesday. Then uh, we had an off day Thursday, so we practiced there. A couple of back-to-back home games on the Friday-Saturday an off day Sunday, then a rescheduled game Monday night up in Peterborough. So it was just last week, really, that he had about two or three days in succession where he could practice with his new teammates. So, and now he's off to the prospects game later on here tonight out west. So it's been kind of a crazy couple of weeks for him, but he's got the size certainly as you have seen him play there with Windsor, and I think he's going to be counted on uh, big time in this lineup. Other than that. Uh, Matty Soto uh, has been taking over the uh, points leadership of the team. Guys who played there last year and were on third, fourth line and weren't seeing any power play shorthanded efforts like a Chris Thibodeau, all of a sudden are getting that extra ice time, and they've responded well to it. Thibodeau's got 13 goals on the year, and he was a fourth liner there last year. So kids have responded to that extra ice time Luke is giving them, but, but they have to earn it. The voice of the Kingston Frontenacs, Jim Gilchrist with us. Jim, as a final note, Kingston has that bid in for the Memorial Cup. What's the feeling around that right now in terms of how close they might be to hearing the words they want to hear? Well, really positive around the city here right now. It's it's going to be tight, I think, on the competition that we've got, but I think we're head and shoulders above everybody else as far as the arena location, the arena first of all, and also the arena location in the downtown core with what's around that uh, facility to, you know, for the fans to go to and enjoy during a week like that during the Memorial Cup week. And I think that uh, hopefully will be taken in because as I say, I think we're head and shoulders above everybody else in that. It's going to be tough to say how the, well, the uh, selection committee takes a look at it. I'm kind of surprised I've heard that the selection committee or someone else from uh, that committee isn't coming to look at each city, like tour each facility, see what's around it take a look at the city itself and what's uh, responsible or what's available for the fans to go to during that uh, important week of the Memorial Cup. But apparently it's all being done online, the presentation, and somebody from that committee is not going to each city to take a look at these things, which kind of surprised me. I think that they would be doing that, but I think we've got a pretty good shot at it.
Jim, can't wait for the Knights and the Frontenacs to meet for the first time in almost three years. Thanks for this. It's been great to uh, talk to you here, Mike, and great to see you here coming up on the weekend here. We've missed you Western guys. <laughs> we'll be there. Take care. All right. All right. We got the welcome mat out for you. But... Kingston in the running to host the 2024 Memorial Cup, along with Niagara, Sault Ste. Marie, and Saginaw. Those are the four cities trying to host in 2024, and they're looking ahead and building around players like Matthew Soto and Ethan Miedema, and they're hoping that they have what it takes on the ice. They've got a great setup off the ice, and it'll be interesting to see how things are awarded. Kyle, we'll be back next week to run down how all these three games went. It's going to be exciting. And yeah, you can listen to all the games on 980 CFPL. Listen, Stubbs will have the call for you. It starts on the road tonight in Peterborough. Uh, Mike, have a great road trip and uh, looking forward to next week. Go Knights, go.